continue this series of the Believer's Authority in the Earth. And there are three areas that we really want to discuss today. We want to discuss uh, the sphere of authority that we as believers do have in the Earth. And then we want to uh, have a look briefly at the fact that we do not exercise authority over other men. And then finally we want to look at today the fact that when we do enter into our various trials, that we are to stand our ground. Um, that is what the scripture is meaning when it says that we are to resist the devil and he will flee from us. But we'll have a look at that as we get into this teaching. So we're going to start off with the, uh, this uh, area today about the fact that we have a sphere of authority in the earth. And the passage of scripture that we want to open up with is in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 and 14. Uh, the Apostle Paul writing, he says, We, however will not boast beyond measure, but within the limits of the sphere which God appointed us, a sphere which especially includes you. For we are not overextending ourselves, as though our authority did not extend to you. For it was to you that we came with the gospel of Christ. And so the Apostle Paul recognized that there was a certain sphere of influence that God had appointed to his ministry, and his authority in the ministry extended in, uh, as far as that sphere extended in the earth. It didn't go beyond that sphere. And so that's something we do need to recognize, that um, within our own sphere of influence, our authority in the earth reaches that extent. We do not ex exercise authority over Satan's realm on the other side of the planet, for argument's sake. Um, each one of us have been given our own sphere of influence in the earth, and it, it is within that sphere of influence that we're able to exercise our authority over Satan and his realm if they were to um, come into our sphere of influence. But we cannot, um, although the, the Lord has given all of his authority to all of his church, not all of his church exercises all of his authority, his authority all over the earth. Each part of the body of Christ exercises his authority in the location where they are um, placed by God. And so we do need to recognize the limits of the sphere of our authority in the earth. So as I say, although Jesus our Lord has authority, all authority in the earth, and he has delegated that authority to his church, his church only has authority in the areas where she resides. And uh, as far as God will allow that authority to extend to. So one, a church in one nation doesn't really have authority over another nation, so to speak. They can pray for their own nation and they can intercede for the other nation as such. But we just need to recognize the limits of the sphere of our authority. And so uh, with regards to the sphere of, inf of, of authority that each believer has, it always starts off with our own personal life. So each individual believer has their own uh, life that is, they, they have full authority in that area. And then it extends out from there um, into family members, into uh, staff members. We'll have a look at certain aspects now. Um, in 1 Corinthians 11.10, we have a bit of insight as to how the angelic realm views levels of authority in the earth. And we see that in this passage of Scripture. The Scripture says, For this reason, the woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. Now, this is that controversial passage of Scripture where the Apostle Paul 
I was teaching the church about women prophesying and praying, having the heads uncovered, and he, you know, we're not going to get into that in any kind of detail because that's completely outside of the scope of this teaching. But the point that I wanted to highlight from this passage of Scripture is that in Paul's teaching about the woman covering her head, he explains the reason why he does that. And he says, for this is the reason. He says, for this reason, the woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head. Why? Because of the angels. And so Satan and his angels recognize differing levels of authority in the earth. That's how angels operate. They, that's how God has designed them to, to function, basically. One angel reports up to a, a different level of, of the angelic being. Reports up, and we've already mentioned, Satan heads up that whole realm, but he has these different uh, tiers of authority within his kingdom. Now, just as angels have their different levels of authority, so you have angels who have other angels under them and other angels above them, um, so it is that they recognize the levels of authority that God has uh, ordained in the earth. And so Satan recognizes that in the earth, and uh, this no, we're taking just a bit of a sideline here, that in the earth, in the, in the natural, God has ordained that the, ma the man is the head of the household as such, and the woman is his helper. And so he is the head. G uh, uh, Paul taught us that uh, God is the head of Christ, Christ is the head of man, and man is the head of woman. In the natural, not in the spirit. In the spirit, all women and men are uh, one in Christ. But in the natural, that's how God has ordained um, structures to be. And so and Satan and his angels recognize that and will be, what's the word, because they, they recognize it, they are submissive to that and so when an individual steps outside of their realm of authority their level of authority will then satan and his angels are able to resist that individual because they've now stepped outside of their sphere of authority and so uh, that's the kind of the point that we need to recognize here and so parents have authority over their children and as such they can resist the devil on behalf of their children. But parents don't have authority over their brothers and sisters for argument's sake, and thus cannot resist the devil in those areas. I'm not going to get too technical, but the point is we need to recognize the different levels of authority that God has ordained in the earth, because Satan and his angels do recognize that, and are legalistic in this area. Because you must understand, Satan and his angels will do whatever they can to resist uh, the, 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 the saint of our, of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so if they can come up with the technicality of the saint is outside of their level of authority, well then they'll stand their ground and they won't budge. And so as believers we just need to recognize that we have been given certain uh, levels of authority, certain spheres of influence, and it is only in those spheres of influence that we can exercise our authority. We cannot exercise it wherever we so choose. Um, that's how this, this whole um, exercise of authority actually does work. And so it starts off with our own personal lives, then it moves out into our families. And so parents definitely have authority over their children. They can um, 
resist the devil on behalf of their children and Satan cannot then do anything about that. Uh, a husband has authority over his wife from the point of view in the natural and so he too can resist the devil on, on her behalf and the parents as I say on behalf of their children um, and then it extends out from there. It doesn't extend too much further out from there because as I say the, you, we don't have authority over cousins and aunts and uncles and all that kind of stuff so we cannot resist the devil on their behalf. It's within our own sphere of authority that we have full authority and so we just need to recognize that. Another area that we do have authority is in uh, wherever people are part of our sphere of influence. So uh, an employer would have all of his employees under him and so Satan and his angels recognize that area of authority. The Lord also recognizes that area of authority. And we pick that up in Matthew chapter 8, verse 5 through to 13. Uh, I don't know if I want to read the full account, but let's just read it. Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. And the centurion went on to talk about, I'm not worthy of you coming under my roof. Um, and so our Lord was, and he talked about the, his, his level of authority. He understood that he had people under him, and if he gave a command, they would obey that. And so he, he understood that our Lord had authority in the earth. And so he was saying to the Lord, Lord, you just need to say the word, and my servant will be healed. And Jesus replies to that, um, he says, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And our Lord goes on about the fact that, uh, you know, that the sons of the kingdom will be cast out, but those from north, south, east, and west will come into the, the kingdom of God. And he says, Go your way, as, it, as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. And so what had happened here is that Jesus recognized the centurion's authority over his servant. And so the servant wasn't uh, coming to Jesus for healing. The servant was lying at home sick. The servant most probably did not even know that his master had come, gone to Jesus to get healing on his behalf. Jesus recognized his master's authority over his servant. And so Jesus used that to heal his servant. And so that's again just another indication of the different levels of spheres of our authority that we have in the earth. We, because we have the sphere of influence, we can now exercise our authority in the spirit realm in those spheres of influence. And so it's very important for us as believers to recognize what our spheres of influence are and not step outside of them. Because when we do step outside of them, um, well then, you know, we, we don't make progress against Satan and his, and his realm as we thought we could. Um, because, as Paul said, you know, you guys are within my sphere of influence, but he recognized that there were other churches, for argument's sake, that Paul didn't have authority over because they weren't his churches. Um, and so that's basically how we were to approach this thing. So it, it, our, our level of authority extends in our own personal lives, then it extends in the uh, lives of our, in, our, di our direct families. So it's parents, children, brothers, sisters, kind of. That's where our, our authority goes to in that area. And then we have authority over where we 
uh, in authority over people, and so a, a, a boss over employees, but also a, a pastor over his congregation because they form part of his authority. Paul, all of those churches that were part of his um, sphere of influence fell under his authority, and Paul could exercise his authority in those churches uh, against Satan and his realm. And so that's the, what, what Satan and his realm recognize and are legalistic about it, and so we just need to be aware of it. Um, and then the other area of authority that we have is when people come to the believer for deliverance, whether it be demonic uh, deliverance, whether it be healing that they're looking for, any kind of um, relief that they're looking for from the Satan and his and demons out there that are oppressing the individual. If they come to the saint, to ask for help, then what they are doing is they are submitting themselves to the authority of that saint. Now when they do that, that saint now has authority to deal with whatever demon is creating problems in the life of that person, whether that person is even an unbeliever or a believer. Um, and so that is why when people came to Jesus for uh, deliverance, Jesus would cast out the demon because Jesus now had authority over that demon because the person was coming to Jesus for for uh, to relief from their torment and so that same principle applies in the life of saints when unbelievers even come to the saint and say won't you please pray for me because I'm going through this well now they are submitting themselves to the authority of the saint the saint now can exercise their authority over Satan and his realm that are negatively impacting the person who's come to them for prayer. And we pick up an account here as in Acts chapter 5 verse 16. Uh, the scripture says, Also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were, who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Now the reason that that took place is exactly the same reason as what took place in our Lord's ministry in that because people came to the apostles and asked for help for you know to be uh, delivered from tormenting spirits or to be healed they in effect were submitting themselves under the authority of the apostles and the apostles could then exercise the authority over the demons over satan's realm that were oppressing the people that came for deliverance but where it doesn't extend we'll have a look at this now in in, in another account so that's just another sphere of influence where the saint can now exercise their authority. When others come to the saint for help, then those others are, as I say, um, tacitly uh, submitting themselves. Now, it's not a case of bowing their knee and all that. It's just a case of they say, you have the ability to help me. And so I'm submitting to myself to you that you would help me. And so now the saint can exercise their authority over whatever demonic spirits are afflicting the person who's come before them. Even if they're unbelievers, the saint now has authority in that area. But where the saint doesn't have authority is to go out and start looking for demons to just, and you know, I'm going to just go cast out demons now. Um, let's have a look at this account. It just highlights this truth for us. Acts chapter 16, verse 16 to 18. The scripture says, Now it happened, as we went to prayer, that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us, 
who brought her masters much profit by fortune-telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. And so this passage of Scripture is very enlightening for us, because what it transpired is that Paul and his team were on, would, would go to uh, prayer meetings uh, in the town of Philippi. And while they would go, this fortune teller would follow them, and she was possessed by a spirit of divination. And she would cry out that these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim the way of salvation. But that was the demon in her that was actually doing that. Now, everybody in the town knew she was a fortune teller. They did not know that she was possessed by a spirit of divination. They just thought, you know, she was somebody special. Paul and his team knew she was possessed by a spirit of divination. Um, but they did nothing about it. And this, the scripture says this she did for many days. Now, many in scripture is no less than 14. So at least two weeks, this goes on. Every single day when Paul and his team go to prayer, this woman follows them and cries out. Now, it's not a good testimony for the Lord's apostles to have a demon tagging on and saying, you know, these guys are from God and they showed us the way of salvation. Because it confuses the unbelievers out there because they know this woman's a fortune teller and they see these apostles and this woman is now supporting what the apostles are doing. So they assume as unbelievers, well, Paul and his team are part of this woman's um, supernatural realm. Uh, you know, they're all together on the same team. And that's not the case, obviously. Now, Paul doesn't do anything about it for two solid weeks, many days, the Bible says. But eventually, in frustration, Paul does something about it. The Bible says, But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. So, what, and the demon came out that same hour. So why didn't Paul do that before? Why did he wait two weeks before he did that? Well, he didn't know he could do that. Paul, at this time, is also just learning uh, how this whole thing works. He doesn't know everything. And so they were going to a prayer meeting. They had this fortune teller who's screaming and shouting that everybody follow these guys. These people are from the Most High God. And so it's embarrassing to Paul and his team. They go to a prayer meeting. I guarantee you, in the prayer meeting, they were praying, Lord, deal with this woman because she's embarrassing uh, us, uh, you know, and she's basically blaspheming your gospel but the Lord does nothing and so eventually after many days two weeks minimum Paul eventually in frustration turns and, and rebukes the demon and commands the demon to come out when he does that the demon comes out straight away Paul learned something that day what did he learn he learned that he had authority in this area and unless he exercised that authority it wasn't going to be done that demon would have stayed in her now, Paul also learned something else, and we learn something else through this as well, because we're dealing with our, uh, the sphere of influence that we have um, as, as saints in the earth with regards to our authority in the earth. Paul knew she was a fortune teller. Everybody in, the, in this town knew she was a fortune teller. Paul and his team knew she was possessed with the spirit of divination because that's how fortune tellers do what they do. They have a demon inside of them that is able to do this thing. And so what Paul and his team didn't do is go to her place of employment because she was employed by um, people in the town and that's how she, they made their money. She would tell the fortune. 
Paul and his team didn't go to her place of employment and then cast the demon out of her because that would have been outside of Paul's sphere of authority. He could, if he had tried to do that, nothing would have happened. He might have even got into a bit of trouble, um, spiritually speaking even. So Paul recognized he couldn't do that. But Paul didn't know at this time, and he learned on this occasion, is that when Satan invades our sphere, well, now the, the, the game changes. Because it's not us going after Satan. Because it wasn't that this girl had come to Paul saying, won't you please deliver me from this demon. She wanted the demon in her. That was her livelihood. She was quite comfortable with that demon living in her. So had Paul tried to cast it out of her, nothing would have, that demon would have remained. Because that demon had her permission to live there. But what had happened is the demon had actually picked the fight. Because the demon had now initiated um, persecution against Paul and his team. And so because the demon had kind of overstepped the mark, Paul could now deal with him. And that's exactly what Paul did. He cast the demon out. And so Paul learned something that day, that he, he had authority over Satan and his realm, if Satan and his realm come against him. But again, the point is, Paul didn't go after the demon in her wherever she was, because Paul didn't have that authority. But because the demon initiated it, and the demon came against Paul and his team, Paul did have authority to deal with the demon. And Paul only learned that, as I say, um, after many days. But we learn that now, because we see that in this uh, passage of Scripture. So that's just kind of, again, highlighting to us our sphere of influence. So when Satan comes against us as an individual, we have full authority over him. We can deal with him. When Satan comes against our immediate families, we have full authority over him. We can deal with him. Um, when Satan comes against our employees, we have full authority we can, over him. We can deal with him. When Satan comes against our, us as a team, I would call it his ministry team, even though it is someone who is demon-possessed and wants the demon to live in them, we have full authority over that demon, we can deal with him. But we can't go, because now we know that there's a person living down the road, and they are fortune tellers, and they have demons, and so we're going to walk into that fortune teller's place, and we're going to cast all the demons out. That won't work, because that's not our, our sphere of influence. We have no authority there. Those people want those demons there, and so they have full right, those demons have full right to be where they are. And so that's the difference, and we need to understand the difference so that we don't get ourselves into any kind of trouble by trying to do things that we can't do. Because when we do, and it doesn't work, well then we start to question uh, our authority, but that's not how it works. So I trust that in the examples that we've gone through in Scripture that you understand the different levels of sphere of authority that we have with regards to dealing with Satan and his, and, and his demons.